December 15th, we're ready? You got, anybody feel like you're just running fast and furious during this time of year? It's like you want to soak in the baby Jesus moments, but you just have to get to another party? Anybody? Like you're just like, I can't. Let's just breathe in a little bit, okay? This is your safe place, all right? I don't know what you have scheduled. Some of you are like, no, Ben, I, I can't even stay for the whole service. I have so much going on. Um, we'll try to keep it as brief as possible. It's, it's so much going on. It's like we want to set aside this meaningful time with family and meaningful time to really reflect on the purpose, significance of Christmas. And then just like, you just have another thing to get to. And so I don't know about you guys, but I feel like our house, we're waking up earlier, we're going to bed later, and uh, trying to really enjoy the moments presented to us. So um, that's a little, little bit of our, our story this morning. I'm glad that you're here. Before we get into the second installment of our Christmas series that we're calling Light, I want to give you sort of the State of the Union address as a church. There's nothing crazy going on, but I know many of you won't be in our church until the new year because of travel that starts sometime this week and, and ongoing. So what I want to do is let you know some things that are happening here at Epic. Uh, as we close out 2013 and then as we turn the page and open up 2014. So here are a few things. Obviously, we have service today. Next Sunday is a regular service for us, for, you know, half of you that will still be in town next Sunday. Anybody gone by next Sunday already? Like we need to, okay, these are the people. If, if they owe you something, ask them before, uh, before we get out of here today. Uh, so regular service is 930, 11 o'clock next Sunday. And then on the 24th, Tuesday, uh, December 24th, Christmas Eve, we do have a 30-minute Christmas Eve service right in this room. No child care that night, so bring your kids. They obviously can climb on me or do whatever it is that they want to do. They'll, we'll be here in this, in this room, 30 minutes, a few refreshments afterwards. Then we'll dismiss you to go and enjoy uh, friends and, and, and family and, and whatever else you might enjoy on Christmas Eve. On the 29th, no Sunday services on the 29th. Uh, we began a few years ago as a church, and we made a strategic decision not to do services the Sunday of the 29th. We give our staff and their families time to rest. We give our volunteers time to rest. It takes a lot of people to pull off what we do every Sunday. And so we want to be able to give people the rest, but also um, when it's time to get after it, January 5th, we're, we're going to want you to be ready to let's go for this new year. So that's, um, that's what's happening the rest of 2013. As far as year in giving, it's been an amazing year of generosity in our church. If you want tax credit for 2013, if you send it in, postmark by December 31st. If you give online, which about 50% of our church does, it needs to be given by midnight on, of the 31st. So that, that's what's going on there. Tim told you we're in the midst of the Hope Project. Pretty audacious goal this year, $80,000 plus 25 kids sponsored through Compassion. Um, anybody want to know where we're at with these goals? All right, so here's where we're at with the Compassion sponsorship. As of just now, we had a goal of 25. They sent us 25, then they sent us four more. As of the 930 service, we actually are up to 27. I'm telling you. We've got a lot of overachievers in the mix, but we need to complete this process, okay? No kids in Uganda left on the table. I've got one, and there's one left on the table. So you have an opportunity. Lindsay will be here after the service. She can tell you more about that. You know, actually, our church will go to Uganda in June. If you're on, you, can, you can meet your child or send gifts to your child with someone else. So it's an incredible monthly thing. Compassion's a great organization. Our church, as of the 930 service, our church now sponsors around 75 kids every single month. Yeah, you can clap for that. It's huge. <laughs> pretty amazing. A church averaging, I don't know, 350 people or so right now, and we're sponsoring, I mean, 75 kids in Uganda. This is massive. It is taken care. You can go over there and see where, I can see where my money went to pay for malaria help and went to pay for tuition and got just the main staple foods to the family. And so it's a massive thing. We'll continue to push this. Two kids are available. You better come quick to the table after the service. If you want to come during the service, that's, that's totally up to you. Uh, I'll try not to be distracted with that. And so that, that's coming up. Well, here's where we're at towards the $80,000 goal right here. 
$61,492.60. For those of you that have given to this uh, strategic partnership initiative, thank you so much. And let me let you know a little bit of the math that makes up this number. So far, there have been about 85 giving units that have given towards this, including kids and everything else. That's great. Thanks so much. 85 giving units have made up that amount. Pretty, uh, pretty astounding. Um, but what we know is true that since we launched the Hope Project four weeks ago, we've had around 600 people in our church. Okay? Remember, this is an all-play. You guys remember at the at skating rink, it was an, uh, like everybody can come and skate at this time? It's not a couples only. This is not a super Christian moments only. This is not only the wealthy or only the poor moment. This is an everybody. So jump in. You've got really to the end of January to, to complete this, but we want to again remind you that every single cent that comes into this goes out towards missional purposes with our strategic partners we're building schools in uganda we're helping kids in uganda we're helping this church we're starting churches in the denver area and the montreal area uh, city impact anybody at city impact yesterday anybody really that's it no there were 90 of us there 90 people from epic church again just an astounding percentage of people in our church serving for about five hours or so yesterday at city impact i got to do it with my three sons first time we've done something like that just Mm, so good and uh asher so funny he'd get his eye up to like the hole in the door and he'd be like city impact we've got food for you <laughs> and um and some people still didn't open the door which i'm like come on uh but they, they did amazing and so many of you that showed up yesterday thank you but part of ten thousand dollars of this eighty thousand goes to continue to make a difference in the tenderloin we're helping uh because justice matters a sex trafficking ministry we're helping uh, our school, Bessie Carmichael, so much of the help that they get comes from Epic Church. Uh, we're helping a woman's place. We already delivered, the ladies delivered the Christmas bag to them this week. And uh, it's just amazing to be a part of what God's up to in our city and our, on our continent and around the world. So jump in with that. We've got trips coming up uh, to Uganda in the summer, to Montreal, to Denver. You'll hear more about that as we turn the page on 2014. And speaking of that, January 5th right here, jump right back in. We're back to the 9.30, 11 o'clock schedule. On January the 12th, I'll begin a four-week uh, vision series we're calling Imagine. And here's what we're looking at over those four weeks, January 12th, uh, I believe, through February the 2nd. What we're going to look at is imagine if certain components were true in our church for 2014. What might God do? What could the potential look like? And so that's January 12th. And January 26th, if you haven't heard, we've got to make space for more people. And you're on board with that, right? Awesome. So we let the church know last week we're going to start a new three-service schedule on January 26, 915, 1030, 1145. We need you to jump in. Let us know on this card that which service you're going to shift to. Just so you parents know, Epic Kids Reality looks like this. At 915, we will have birth all the way to fifth grade. At 1030, we will have birth all the way to middle school. And then at 1145, we'll have birth really through that preschool at five years uh, of age or so. So that's what's happening in those three services. Um, as we launched this uh, idea last week, pretty impressive, 60 or so of you signed up to be brand new volunteers in our church, which is huge. And it's necessary because what we're doing is we're adding 50% more services than we've had so far, than we have today. We're adding 50% more Epic Kids rooms. We need more musicians. We need more people to help out during the week because there's more people to follow up with. Uh, we need more people on the hospitality team, on and on and on and on. And uh, outside of the music world, as you see on that card, everybody got a card? Outside of the music world, everything else can actually be trained. Okay? I'm not saying you can't be trained as a musician, but if you don't have anything to work with, mm, probably hospitality, <laughs> epic kids, weekday administrative team. Seriously, you can learn whatever else. And w w our best hunch is that we need around 100 new volunteers. So we've got about 60 as of last week, so let's complete that. 
40 of you stepping up saying, hey, you know what? I've been just hanging out on the periphery. Time for me to jump in. And friends, let's jump in together in 2014. See what God might do. 2013, I wish you could have been a part of, we had our staff Christmas party Friday night. And just looking back and going, can you believe what we've seen God do this year? Later on in this service, we'll baptize our 40th person of 2013. We baptized nine last year, significant nine, 40 this year. Our church, we thought from everything that we learned that being in an urban church plant, we thought we would hit financial sustainability around year five. That was kind of the goal. We hit it uh, less than two and a half years in because of your faithful giving, because God's blessing on our church. We had over 20 small groups that we just finished out with. And so we're looking forward. If we get another, I think, 20 volunteers, there's over 300 volunteers that are volunteering on on an ongoing basis. So we believe the best is yet to come, but we believe that God will work in 2014 like he has throughout history. He will put things on people's heart. He will ask them to respond. And depending on how we respond and trust him and lean in for what he has for us, probably will have much to do with what we're talking about this time next year. Okay? So those of you that just been on the outskirts, jump in. Uh, let's not just be, um, uh, you know, just bystanders, just watching what's going on. Let's be active participants because there's nothing greater than being a part of what God's up to in his story. Okay, you have a chance to influence the kingdom. You have a chance to influence eternity. Don't stay on the periphery and, and, unless you have a great reason to do so. All right, installment number two of the light series. Have you ever, have you ever found yourself around someone that just seems to get the whole God thing in a much clearer and better way than you do? If you're like me, you quit hanging around those people, right? Because you think you and God are like this going into those meetings, and then you hear them talking like, wow, like they have a nickname for God. You know, like what? They, they, they talk to him like they know him, like they're exchanging greeting cards on a regular basis. And, and you overhear their prayers, and you're like, wow, how do they do that? And sometimes if you're like me, you leave feeling a little bit guilty or hopeless, like, man, I just, I don't know if, I'll, I don't know if that's even available to me. God, what, why don't you choose them? What makes them so special? So what I want to do with this second installment of this light series is really look at this question. Who is this thing really for? Let's throw theory out the window. Let's throw fairness out the window. And let's just look at who is this thing really for? And if we find out who it's for, how do you, if you're one of those that it's for, how do you get it? That's what I'm going to do out of John chapter 1, continuing this light series. If you need a Bible, lift a hand up and one will get placed into your hand. For the rest of us, John chapter 1, John is the fourth of the four gospels. John chapter 1, we'll start in verse 9. Lift your hand up if you need a copy of the scriptures. This is yours to keep. Small gift from us here at Epic to you. I believe we're still on page 576 in those Bibles that we use. Ten days to Christmas. Is that a good thing, a bad thing? All right. Well, do you all stand with me as we look at John chapter 1, 9 through 13? Remember what John's doing. He's writing this letter in the first century. He's going to, although Matthew and Luke give us the significant events of Christmas, John's going to give us the significant purpose of Christmas. He's looking back on what Jesus came to do. Remember, Jesus, by the time John writes, he's already, uh, he's already died on the cross, the resurrection's taken place, and John, but John's looking back, and here's what he says, looking back, and here's the whole idea of Christmas. He says this, the true light, talking about Jesus, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. You may be seated. Who is this thing for? Who's included? Who who gets an invitation? John begins right off the bat in verse 9 by telling us what? The true light who gives light to 
everyone. He gives light to everyone. Now, this may not be a radical idea for us sitting in San Francisco in 2013, but let me tell you this. In the first century, and I'll prove it in just a moment, in the first century, the Jews understood that whenever the Messiah came, he was coming for them, period. Okay? And in some ways, they had good reason to believe this. If you read the scriptures, and there's no doubt God has this unique relationship with the nation of Israel. I believe that historically, for sure, I believe that it's true, special, it's unique. But there is this understanding that it was only for the nation of Israel. In fact, if you look at the book of Acts, let me give you two chapters in the book of Acts if this is something you're interested in. If you look in Acts chapter 10 and 11, you will find Peter. Yes, Peter, one of the 12 disciples of Jesus. Yes, Peter, one of the inner three who related and experienced things with Jesus that the other nine did not. That Peter, he's got to see a vision and get understanding on the vision before Peter himself believes that this isn't just for the Jews. Okay? So if you can put your mind back there, what John is saying is pretty radical. He's saying this is for everyone, and those in the first century thought, no way. This is for us if we're a Jew, and if you're a Gentile, you think this could never be for us. And what John says is this is for us. And what I want to say to you this morning is this is for every single one of us, for every one of us. Verse 10, here's what John said about Jesus. It says that we talked about last week, though everything was made through Jesus, though the world was made through him, look at verse 10, though the world was made through him, it basically did not recognize him as such. Here's what he's saying. Last week we said that everything that's ever been created was created by Jesus himself, okay? And, And what John is saying that the things that Jesus created, not all of those created things and those created people acknowledge that Jesus is the one whose fingerprints are all over their life their livelihood and their existence. He said, and we know this, right? All kinds of things happen in our world and we don't give credit to Jesus for it all. And what he's saying is Jesus made everything and yet not everything looks back to Jesus and goes, you're my maker, you're my creator. And then he goes to verse 11, he says something very interesting. He says that Jesus came to his own. That's, he came to his own kind. He came to his own people and his own people did not receive him. I was reading in the Gospel of Mark this week, one thing Mark said about Jesus' own family, not just his own kind of people, the Jews, it says about his family that Jesus' family thought that Jesus was out of his mind. How would that make you feel? Well, Ben, I'm, I kind of, my family does think I'm out of my mind. And remember, as we go into Christmas, you know, anytime I say that, hey, we all have a crazy person in our family, there are a few of you out there that object. And I just want you to know, if you're one of the ones that objects to that, you are the crazy person. <laughs> in your family, okay? And so it's, it's true for every one of us. They're, they're, and again, if you can't find them, mm, you know, catch the mirror because it, it's you, okay? It is you. Um, but in reality, Jesus' family thought he was nuts. They, they thought he was crazy. Now, one thing that I think, maybe you think sometimes too, is that if I could just have lived when Jesus lived, I think this faith thing would be so much easier. You ever, I just think that. Like, of course it would be. But what's interesting, though I have that thought, when I look back at the life of Jesus, it wasn't easy for people who lived when Jesus lived. Yeah, it was easy for the religious leaders to accept that he was God, right? No. His family didn't think he was legit. In fact, and of course this is true, but the reason that Jesus goes to the cross is because the people who were alive when Jesus was alive couldn't get their mind around him being the son of God. So, so let's, let's not think that it would be guaranteed that if I had lived in the first century in Jerusalem, or if you had, that somehow I go, of course he's the son of God. Isn't that interesting? It's not true. P- people wouldn't just say, oh, of course. Listen, the reason Jesus gets killed is because there are people living when Jesus is living that can't assent to the reality that he's the son of God. 
Now, what I want to make sure that we're clear about in this, when it says that he came to his own, they did not receive him. Remember, they would have had the prophecy from Isaiah 700 years ago, Isaiah 9, 6, which says this, for to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. They had this, the thing that they had waited for forever, and the thing that they had wanted forever shows up in front of their face, and they miss it. They miss it. These are people, men and women, who knew Isaiah's prophecies, every single one of them, by heart. But they had an idea about what it would come like and who it would come for. And and Jesus didn't match that reality. Jesus came from someone who wasn't royalty. Jesus came from a place, Nazareth, that wasn't smiled upon. And and so when he shows up, everything that they had waited for is right in front of them, and they miss it. And what I want to urge you to this season is don't miss it. Don't miss it. Some of us are longing to find something that will finally do it for us in a fulfilling way. So you'll dismiss jobs and you'll dismiss relationships to go into the next one, the next this. You'll think of experiences, you'll think of travel destinations, and all those things in and of themselves are fine, but the thing that you're looking for has already come. The series is called Light. Don't remain in the darkness. Don't miss this. Because, because here's what I'm convinced of. No matter what your stance on religion is, no matter how much you hate churches, even like the one you're sitting in, somebody promised you lunch, and so it's worth lunch at least, okay? It's at least, if it's a good lunch. Um, I, I don't know, maybe you think you'll never believe in anything spiritual in your entire life. Even if that's you this morning, I don't think hardly any of us in this room find Jesus repulsive. So when you read, like, hey, they didn't receive him, you might think, well, they're crazy. What's wrong with Jesus? He's a great guy. The text, John is not saying they didn't receive Jesus as a person. They, he's not saying they didn't receive Jesus as a good moral God. He's not saying they didn't receive Jesus as a teacher or a prophet. You know what he's saying? He came to his own, and they didn't receive Jesus as Jesus claimed to be. And my guess, just being straight shooter with you this morning, my guess is there are many people in this room who are cool with Jesus as a man, we're cool with Jesus as a teacher, Some of us in this room who think we're on the inside aren't yet cool with Jesus as the king. And that's what he's saying. He's not saying they dismissed Jesus. They didn't kill Jesus because he was a good guy. You with me? They killed Jesus because they couldn't come to the reality that he was so much more than a guy. Because he claimed to be. And what he's saying here when he's talking about they didn't receive him, they didn't receive him as he is. They didn't receive him as the long-awaited Messiah. They didn't receive him as the king, as the savior of the world, as their Lord. And because they didn't receive him, you'll find out what they missed out on in just a little bit. But in verse 12, he says this. While he came to his own and they didn't receive him, all those who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. So all those who received him, all those who welcomed Jesus, not as they wanted him to be, All those who welcome Jesus, not to push their agenda. All those who welcome Jesus as Jesus said he was. All those who believed in his name. To believe in someone's name simply means to believe in the totality of what that person represents. Okay? The idea here that John's saying is this. It is believing totally in who Jesus says he is. It's not like going, hey, I believe in Jesus and I think I want to make him like this. Right? And we do a brilliant job of this. Like, if God would just let us, we create the most brilliant Jesuses, don't we? You know? 
believe in his name, to attach not intellectual assent to the idea of Jesus, but to attach personal trust and faith to the reality of all that Jesus says that he is, not who you want him to be, not who you've told and try to convince your friends at work that he actually is, but who Jesus has revealed himself to be. That's the point here. And for anyone who receives Jesus in this way, remember, this is why Epic's vision is to be a church that orients all of life around Jesus. It's because I fully believe that everything in the universe does find its orientation around Jesus. If you look at the scriptures, ultimately, that's what's going to be reality. Scriptures say that Jesus created everything, was created by him, was created through him, was created for him. And so that's the intent. And then he says, if you receive Jesus as he is, if you believe, put that personal trust in all that he claims to be, that he gives us the highest privilege of the universe, the right to become sons and daughters of God. The right to become sons and daughters of God. Now, there's a popular belief out there that says this, right? We are all God's... And there's a sense in which that's true. Only in the sense that we are all created by God, okay? But here's the reality. None of us in this room have the right to become children of God on our own. You, you, don't, you don't possess it. Your merit's not good enough. Your performance, it's failed. It's, not, it's just not there. You don't have the right to become a child of God, and I don't either. The, the scriptures say that if we receive Jesus as he is, we believe in who he actually is, not who we want him to be, who he actually is, that he gives us, he hands us, he bestows the right for you and I to become children of God. I, I think Paul said it best when he wrote to the Galatians in chapter 4, verses 4 and 5. He, he really gives us this idea and the Christmas idea coming together. Here's what Paul said. I think it'll be on the screen. Galatians 4, 4 and 5. It says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. Here, here's what he's saying. When the fullness of time had come, Christmas, okay? When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman. You guys know this song, right? Round yon virgin, When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. That's the whole point. That's, that's Christmas, Yes, the major, major scene's part of it. It's just not the whole part of it. He's not coming to be a cute baby on a silent night that probably wasn't so silent. He's coming to be a baby who's going to grow up and help make us sons and daughters of God. And how is he going to do that? He's going to redeem us so that we might be adopted into God's family as children of God. Here's how John wrote it in 1 John 3, 1. He basically said this. This is one of his other letters, St. John. He said that, see what kind of love the Father has given us, that we should be called the children of God. See what kind of love the Father has given us. Another translation says, see the, lo the love that the Father has lavished upon us, dispensed over us, poured out in an overflowing measure, the love of God, that we could be called the sons and the daughters of God. And yet, what do we do? We're looking for our identity everywhere else, right? We wake up and we think, I've got to make a name for myself. And what John's telling us that Jesus came to do was to make us sons and daughters of the king. But no, that's not good enough. I need something else. It, it doesn't really satisfy. John's going, this is, this is the point. He came to make us, he came to make us sons and daughters of God. In verse 13, John says that we were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. 
And the reason this was important in the first century, and then I want to tell you why it's important here. In the first century, um, it was this belief that if you were a Jew, you were automatically a child of God. And if you were not, guess what? You could not be a child of God. So what he's saying in verse 13 is, while you think that this is dependent upon your race, while you think this is dependent upon who your ancestors are, while you think this is dependent upon what kind of religious background you were born into, that's not the reality. You don't do it naturally, but supernaturally, God is able to make every single one of you a son or a daughter. In, in, in fact, what we need to know this morning, sitting here in 2013, is this. No matter what your track record is, there's still an opportunity for you to be a son or daughter. And yet it's not guaranteed to any of us in the room. It's not guaranteed to any of us. But here's what God wants to say to us this morning. No matter how many times you've blown it, no matter how many times you've refused to believe in me, no matter how self-absorbed and greedy you are, no matter all the things you've looked to to give you what only I can give you, I want you to know that I'm still able to make you a son or a daughter. And we're like, oh, God, I don't know. I need like a million chances. Anybody? Anybody? Like second chances, whatever. I need like a million And the reason it's possible for those of us who need a million second chances to be made sons and daughters of God is because it's not your will. It's not up to you, thankfully, right? Anybody else wake up trying to do better every single day? And then you lay your head on the pillow at night, you're like, ooh, didn't make it. He wants you to be a son or a daughter. Listen. On the cross, what Jesus does, and you remember how Jesus prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane? He's like, Father, please take this cup of suffering from me, but if this is the way I've got to go for you to accomplish your mission for me, I'm in. Do you remember this? The reason I think that Jesus was so um, fearful of that moment and not looking forward to that moment is this. In that moment, he was going to temporarily lose something that he had always had from the onset of eternity. There had never been a moment in Jesus' entire existence, which is forever. Don't do the mind on that. It's just, it's crazy. Um, Which had been forever. There had never been a moment where he had lost even temporarily communion with his father. Never been a moment. You see, in the Gospels, what is he saying? I only do what I see the father doing. I and the father are one. You guys, are you familiar with this language? The Father, the Father, the Father, I am the Father, the Father in me, the Father who does this and I do it. We do this together. You, you'll have space, you, you can be, whoever's in me is in the Father. Do you, do you know all this language? And yet in this one moment on the cross, as he bears the weight of my sin and your sin, he has to temporarily give the one thing up that he's always known. In heaven, he has communion with the Father. His life on earth, he still has communion with the Father. But in this moment, because the Father still can't, be in the presence of our sin without turning his back. The father turns his back, and in this first moment ever in all of eternity, and thankfully the last moment, Jesus loses communion with his father. Do you know why he does? Jesus loses communion with his father temporarily so that you and I can have communion with his father forever. God sends his one and only son for one reason, so that he might have more sons and more daughters. Is that your reality this morning? Like, are you, are you a child of God? I'm not asking, as I said earlier, are you cool with Jesus? I think that goes for most of the population. But Jesus wants to know, are you okay with who he is and him being that in your life? Him being not just the king of some out there universe, but the king of how you do life, how you interact in business, how you do relationships, how you spend your money, how you do it all. Two questions I have for you. What stands in the way of you receiving Jesus as he is? And have you ever personally placed your trust in Jesus as he says he is? 
We're going to move into a communion time in just a second, but I want to give you the opportunity to give consideration, reflection, and weight to this reality. Here's what I think. There's a, quite a few of us in this room, and I think one thing I love about our, what we've tried to create as a church here is that no matter where you are in your spiritual journey, there's a place for you here. Please hear me say that, okay? I love that no matter where you are, non-Christian, Christian, immature, mature, whatever, wherever you are, there's a place for you here. And I believe that in this room, there are as many different spiritual journeys as there are human beings in this room. Would you agree with that? Like we're all, everybody's a different place. And so what we want to encourage you to do is take a next step here and take a next step there and keep taking next steps. That's, that's, our, that's part of our mission. But what John is saying in some other way, there are really only two kinds of people in this room. Here they are. I just want you to just consider this. Here, here are the two kinds of people in this room. There are those in this room who receive Jesus as he is and those who refuse to receive him as he is. There are those kind of people in this room who believe that Jesus is who he says he is and they personally place trust in that reality. And then there are those who don't. And then what I really want you to sink in is this. There are those in this room who actually are children of God, not on their own right. Jesus gave it to them. There are actually people in this room who are children of God and there are those who aren't. But remember, this is for everyone. No one's excluded because of who they are unless they refuse to receive and believe it. Are you a child of God? This is the greatest question maybe I could ask you. You can be. Would you pray with me this morning? I want to lead you through a few thoughts, and then we'll enter into this communion experience these moments of celebration, remembrance, reflection. A few questions I have for you. What's, what's in the way of Jesus becoming to you who he says he is for everyone? And have you actually placed your personal trust in him? Not just believe that he existed, that he did some good things, but actually placed your faith in him. If, if you're wanting that to be your reality this morning, just know that he is willing to give you the right to become a son. He's willing to give you the right to become a daughter. There's no magical words, but it, it's a prayer that's something similar to this. It's just that, Jesus, I receive you as you are. Jesus, I trust in you for who you claim to be, the one who has come to save me from my sins, the one who paid the price so that I might become a son or a daughter. And I just thank you that you've made me such. I'm going to pray, then we'll enter into communion. When you're ready, you may just walk along the wall that's to kind of your right, my left, and there'll be a line there, and there'll be a couple of communion hosts serving the elements this morning. You'll be able to take a piece of bread, and you'll be able to dip it into the cup, and just remember that this is what Jesus told us to do in honor of his remembrance. If you need a gluten-free option, they have that available too, but friends, let's reflect on this. Let's not rush keep rushing and rushing thinking that one thing is reality when it actually isn't are you a child of god and if not would you like to be this morning it almost sounds too good to be true thankfully it's not about my merit or yours but about the merit of god's son that we're about to sing about after i pray uh, you'll be able to stand and sing there'll be a couple songs you'll be able to sit and, and pray yourself you can confess sin in your heart you can ask god to search your heart and let you know like is this your reality like have you actually become a child of god this morning and some of us who actually are children of god friends how long has it been since we've said thank you to god like that for that god i thank you that you care deeply about every person in this room i thank you 
Jesus, that you came not for an exclusive religious group, but you came for everyone. And Jesus, the Christmas story shows us that you can take anything, any situation, and you can bring hope, and I pray that we wouldn't miss it. I thank you, Jesus, that you've given us the right to become children of God, and I pray we wouldn't miss that opportunity. God, I pray that the greatest privilege in all the universe would become ours, God, and I pray as we move into 2014, as our church moves the vision that you've given us forward, God, I pray for many more sons and daughters. God, I know of nothing greater in the entire world than to relate to you as a father. Thank you so much, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You can stand. You can sit. You can pray. We'll walk along that wall when you're ready to receive the elements. They'll be right here. But let's see what God might do as the Spirit pours out on our hearts during these moments. Let's respond.